0: Hey, Talking Cars fans. We're going to be doing a live episode of our podcast at the 2018 New York Auto Show on Thursday, March 29th, and we want you to be there. Just send us an email to talkingcars@consumer.org by Tuesday, March 27th, and let us know if you can make it. You'll be able to ask questions of our experts, and you'll also get early access to the show floor before the general public. CR is going to take care of the tickets. All you got to do is get yourself to New York City. Tickets are on a first-come, first-served basis, so please let us know if you can make it and email us now. We hope to see you at the show.
1: On today's episode, we discuss autonomous vehicle safety, Ford's recent announcement about standard safety features on its upcoming vehicles, the results of our Buick Regal and Kia Stinger road tests, and answer viewer questions. Next on Talking Cars. Welcome back to another episode. I'm John Linco.
0: I'm Mike Quincy. And I'm Mike
2: Monticello.
1: And first off, want to let everyone know why we're in the uh, the B Studio today, because it's spring. You know, we're wearing some,
0: some yeah, it's It snowy. is spring, but it's not.
1: It's snowing 5 to 12 inches today. And, um, and John
0: has a short sleeve shirt. Yeah.
1: It's spring, for goodness sake, <laughs> so I'm wearing that. And so we drove in in flurries just to make sure that we got this episode done. So happy spring to everyone. Don't listen to the Connecticut Groundhog, because he's a total liar saying that you know spring was going to be early. Also, other news. Yesterday or Monday was our 5th anniversary of Talking Cars. So we really 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 want to thank everyone who's stayed with us, who's given us questions, who comes back each week, you know, now that we're weekly particularly, you know, because it was you asking about, you know, why why don't we have it on a regular schedule of weekly? That's why we're doing this now. So thanks very much. Here's to another
0: 5 years, right? And love sure. the questions and comments. Most of them. Yeah, most of them.
1: Yeah, you know, as as uh, you know, the three hosts generally, you know, we're missing Jen, but you know, we're really having a good time, and we really like the show. We really like the viewers sending us information and and questions.
2: We're all wearing blue. That's for some, <laughs> for some
1: reason. I don't know why. That's true. It's birthday blue. Anyway, enough uh, shenanigans. Uh, the first bit of news that we're going to talk about, very serious topic. Uh, recently, a uh, an Uber vehicle, an Uber uh, autonomous vehicle, was being tested in Arizona, and there's a lot of them going on in in the, the desert Southwest. And it struck and killed a pedestrian, and you know it's the first time that someone has been injured or killed by a uh, autonomous vehicle in testing. And you know, Mike, what were some of the circumstances that were were surrounding this? Because it is a very
2: very serious topic. So it was was an Uber SUV. You know, they're getting working on their self driving uh, program, and uh, it struck a pedestrian uh, at night in Arizona. Who was outside of a who was walking outside of a crosswalk? Mm-hmm. So there were some extenuating circumstances with this with this incident, and you know, uh, Uber has since uh, suspended their um, their testing program for now. Uh, there's a federal investigation going on, so we don't know all the specifics of this incident, but what we do know is. This is proof that these systems, you know, the the self the promise of one of the promise of the self-driving car is that there's gonna be no more fatalities, no more major crashes. Right. They're gonna take the the, the human the, element the, out the, of it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And this, this shows that they're not there yet. And the reality is they're a long ways from there. Uh, you know, what we advocate here is proceed with caution. Mm-hmm. You know, these systems are, you know, a lot of people say they're somewhere like 95 to 99 percent. Of these systems, you know they, they can get to where they need to be, but that leaves like one to five percent, and it's that last percentage that is so hard to get right because there's there's high level decisions that humans make in a car. And certainly we're fallible, no question about that. But there's decisions you need to make. Uh, you know, maybe you hear a siren somewhere, you don't know where it's coming from. How is this self driving car going to figure out where it's coming from and where to move? Right, there's a right, cop right. directing traffic. How, do, how does the self driving car know? Where what to do when that cop is directing traffic? Well,
1: well you know, on that topic, I was gonna bring up like the three of us are cyclists, so not only do we drive, but we spend a lot of time actually interacting with cars in a non-traditional way. You know, not on the road, but mm-hmm. not car to car. You know, and Mike, can you touch on some of that? Like when you're biking, you know, what what are some of those types of things that you do as far as the non-traditional ways of interacting, and that you know that you're not. A car with another self driving car that would be looking at you.
0: Right. Well with with cars with a with a fairly aggressive like lane keeping assist, cars coming if you're riding on the side of the road and cars coming upon you, the the driver of the car is most likely going to kind of swerve to their left a bit to get around you. Right. But then this is the, you the, the three system- feet. Yeah a, but but then the walk. system is going to read that oh my gosh you're going out of the lane and some systems like, that we've like all experienced the like lane, lane keeping, keeping assist, assist is pretty system.
2: aggressive right. and pulls you back right. into the lane almost hitting the cyclist which was the thing you were trying not to do exactly right. right right so
0: you know as as we've seen either with with this Uber example or just the self-driving technologies that we experience in our in our test cars yeah, you know, it's it's not it's not foolproof i mean this is it's not working 100% of the time it's not it's not it, it it's not overtaking a good human judgment sometimes.
1: You know, I, I think a, a big takeaway is that you know there's a lot going on right now law wise. You know, the the governor of Arizona actually on March one uh, um, issued an executive order to clarify that self driving vehicles don't need to operate with a human driver right. as a backup. That may change. You know, w- after this incident, um, there's two proposals in Congress going through right now that would. Eliminate some safety, uh, you know, have a federal law for for autonomous vehicles, but it may dial back some of the safety rules that they have to follow. You know, it's it's an ongoing issue, and we're going to have a lot on ConsumerReports.org about this. Um, It's an effort of time we want to you know move on, but you know, it is a it's a big thing. And like you were saying, it's easy to get to ninety five percent. It's that last four percent that's like going up Mount Everest. And this Mm -hmm. is a the first indication that you know there's there's still a lot of fine tuning or even. Macro tuning that has to go on,
2: and maybe we should. It should be more a matter of you know, instead of Congress trying to get uh, uh, get these cars onto the market sooner, it should be more about let's focus on making sure everyone is making them safe.
1: Yeah, literally put a brake on some yeah. of it and slow down. Get,
2: yeah. get, it, right, all, get it right before you put it on. Set. We're all for right. technology and development of these <laughs> of these cars, but but safety is the Safety's number one thing. Safety is yeah. paramount.
1: Um, on the topic of safety, Ford has announced uh, that they're going to have a system called a Copilot Three Hundred and Sixty. And it's going to be standard on most Ford vehicles by 2020. Mike, can you give us a little bit of information on this? It's, it's a pretty interesting advancement for a manufacturer that, up to now, actually it was lagging uh, on the safety front compared
0: to some of its competitors. So, I mean, you got to give, give Ford credit for taking initiative right now, I think. That uh, you know they're they're joining uh, some of the other companies like Toyota and Volvo. Uh, nearly all their models have Ford collision warning and automatic emergency braking standard. Right. Consumer Reports gives extra points when we're testing these cars for having this this equipment standard or, or available on almost every trim line. And ac- right across the line. Right, right. And and so you know Ford is, is kind of <clears throat> maybe jumping ahead of the game by saying, all right, we're committed to this. We think it's good. The data shows that it's. Uh, it's improving uh, automotive and traffic safety. So, um, I mean, that, that's I, I, overall. I think that that's good news. <clears throat> you might beg the question, what took you so long? Sure, <laughs> but at least good. they're going in the right direction.
1: You know, it, it's it's something. It really is something that I, I was looking at. It includes blind spot warning. It'll include lane keeping assist, including automatic high beam headlights. Not not as important in our mind, in our view. Although that's those- pretty cool.
2: When they were the headlights, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. no, the the, yeah. the the automatic high beam headlights are really they're cool, awesome, and it makes you because there might be a time where you actually, uh, you know, you turn them off because the car is coming towards you. Right. You might actually forget to turn them back on. Exactly. And, and, and these and systems and are getting <clears throat> really good to the point I, I keep thinking, okay, it's not going to turn it off. It's not going to turn it off, and then it turns it off. And and then you get into a test car that doesn't have it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, and you why think, do I have why to? The, visi- why aren't the high beams popping on by yeah. themselves? <laughs> yeah. You know, did, did Ford
1: need to do this,
2: Mike? You know,
1: here's the question. You know what? because i you know in, in some ways they're trailing toyota and honda you right. know
2: and and toyota honda uh, volvo and mercedes mercedes um these are the ones that have a lot of you know ab standard on most of their vehicles or in some cases all of their vehicles um i think they needed to and by doing it in 2020 instead of the you know that this this agreement by 2022 right, most of the manufacturers are going to have automatic emergency braking standard on all or most of their vehicles by that time ford is saying you know we're going to do it ahead of time uh consumers are asking for these these safety systems yep yep and so they're going to give it to them and uh, they're even making them optional or available on you know some of their um you know, they're, they're bigger bigger rigs and stuff like that.
1: Right? So that's a key thing, because I'm thinking back to Talking Cars 136. Everyone should, you know, go back to YouTube or to the podcast, look this up, because it's a good episode about safety. And were you in it? I I, I I was on vacation. I was probably in Florida. Oh, OK. But you were on it, oh. and you were talking with Jen and Jake. And <laughs> this is the key thing I was pulling out of it, is that the vice chairman of the National Automotive Dealers Association, NADA, his name's Wesley Lutz, said at a conference that Jen and Jake were at that, People are coming into dealerships and asking for fuel economy and safety features. So not is is it the whole, like, oh, these are expensive, and people aren't asking for them, and we want to just give them touch screens and giant sunroofs. No, people are asking for these features, so there's a demand for it. So no longer is there an excuse Mm -mm. to not have it. On there, and even Jim Farley said that he said right. drivers tell us they're still stre- they're they're still stressed about getting into a potential accident. He's Ford's president of global markets. They,
2: yeah, they may not understand what all the systems do, and all the and you know what we were talking about was we were sort of making fun of all the different system names on that show. Right. But uh, so they may not understand all of that, but they uh, definitely know they want safety systems, and that's great. And when, yeah. when you drive these
0: cars, you you don't want to drive other cars without them. Oh it, yeah. It, you know, it's a, can you imagine getting a car without? anti-lock brakes now. Right. No. Right. Like stability <laughs> control, you know, which exactly. went to the
1: same thing, stability track and all track and track track and mm-hmm. you know, stay on the road track, you know. Yeah, there were all kinds of marketing names and now you just know it as electronic stability control and now it's standard.
0: And and a, a lot and a lot it. of research just on your point. You know what motivates people to buy cars, and you know technology, style, price, fuel economy. But safety is like almost always in the top five.
1: Well, you know, so you you hit this this segment is is moving along really well because you hit on one element of two cars that just completed testing: style, but also safety and technology. Mm-hmm. We just finished the road test of the Buick Regal and the Kia Stinger, and I wanna I wanna toss back and forth to you guys about. Kind of what we what we found with them, you know, because they're they're shapely cars. They're both four door mm-hmm. hatchbacks, sportbacks, whatever you want, you know, liftbacks, whatever te- terminology you want to use. Um, upscale or uh, uh, let's
0: see, luxury compact sedan. Oh, okay. it's yeah. BMW- it's getting pretty thick here. Yeah, 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 yeah. BMW
2: 3 Series, Audi, yeah, Audi A4, 4, Mercedes, Mercedes C class. class, right, right, that, right. That Type of competitor. So,
0: car. so can a Buick and a Kia. Compete with well, the right. likes yeah. of those guys. That's right. Actually, so, what about
1: the Buick, true. Mike? I mean, the Buick's the first one. I'm actually. I took that home last night, and uh, I had driven it. when We first got it to mm-hmm. Boston. Liked the car, found some some faults with it. But you know, what what do we say about it? And what what do we find? Uh,
0: overall, I, I think that the the redesigned Regal it kind of lost a little bit of its handling edge. I think the last model Regal was one of those um, really those cars that flew under the radar, kind of an unsung hero. You did, people had no idea how good the last yes, surprisingly Regal good exactly. Yeah. Um, so so this model not quite as Engaging as the last one, but I mean, generally pretty comfortable, pretty quiet, pretty easy controls. Um, not, not as sporty as the Stinger, which we'll get to, right? But, or the but,
1: previous generation Regal, which was based on a European, exactly. Uh, the um, one of the Opals, yep. yeah,
0: right. But but overall, I, I think the Regal is, is a nice car to live with as long as you're not thinking uh, A4 or 3 Series because it, it really can't run with one of those,
1: right? Right, yeah, it, it, it's um. You know, it's a powerful engine. It's all wheel drive. You know, so again, the 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 chops or the equipment to play in that category um, it runs on premium. Mileage wasn't great. You know, and uh, you have to go to ConsumerReports.org to get some of that information. Oh, that's a tease. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, not as sporty, but a great cruiser on the right. highway. Right. Um, but you know, one of the things interior not as premium as those competitors. Mm-hmm. You know, and our test car was forty grand. Uh, you know, thirty nine change, whatever. In that level, it was very nice. But it looks like an upscale map. But it wasn't
2: that nice. Uh, right. I gotta be honest. Right. Honestly, right. I, I fell asleep as soon as you said Buell Gruglaws. Like, oh. Um <laughs> <laughs> no. stereotypes. No, so, no, but seriously, here's the thing, is it is it, you know, you talk you look at the numbers and uh, you know the regal actually came out a lot higher than the stinger. Mm-hmm. But if it were me I'd be driving the Stinger. So because, tell us about because, the Stinger. But quickly on the Regal, the reason why not the Regal is just the engine doesn't sound uh, any like anything special. The interior is pretty boring looking. The
1: car is super quiet, though. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you but there's just a nice highway cruiser. Just, there's right. just
2: very little that gets you excited about that car, whereas <laughs> yeah. the Stinger, just looking at it is exciting right okay question. and here's the difference the stinger is based on a rear-wheel drive platform okay the the, yeah. the the regal is not it's based on a front-wheel drive platform so the stinger even in all-wheel drive like our test car has some rear-wheel drive tendencies meaning when you're you know out on our test track right. you can get the rear to slide around a bit you're mm-hmm. not going to get that with, with the regal not, not that that's the point to buy the car but the point right. is this the, the steering handling is, chops the steering, are there it, it ha- it's more eager to you know uh, attack corners mm-hmm. It feels sportier when you drive it. It's actually slower yeah. than the Regal, right? Uh, but it somehow feels faster, and the engine sounds better. Uh, the interior is far sportier looking, even though you know it's not necessarily uh, a grade higher in terms right. of its yeah. materials. But it's just a more fun car to drive. Period. Right. And if you get the V6 version, the turbo V6. We got a little spoiled because we get to borrow the GT2 version, right. yeah. uh, which, which we have a video of. And it is, that car, I would buy that car. It's so fun mm-hmm. to drive. Yep. Now, we we got the 2-liter turbo. Because that is the car that you know Kia feels most people are buying. We yeah, try it's to, a mainstream affordable car.
1: Yes, but man, that
2: V six turbo is good. I mean, sounds great, so fast. Mm-hmm. I'll
1: will say this: there's one thing, that, you know, and this is this is something that, that's from our tech report, and it's you know gonna it's online. There's no reason that the car should be that stiff in the name oh, the of ride. handling yeah. the, the ride. You know, you can have a car that has great handling. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't beat you up. Mm-hmm. You can do it you know, better. Yes, it, it's not a 911 GT3 RS. OK, no one expects that to be the car BMW you do. BMW yeah. Audi
2: do it better, no They'd question about it. You right. know, but, but, so, but, that,
1: that's, so it's a first generation It
0: is a, an improvement. I would put up with a, it. I was going to say, not a deal breaker yeah, for me. Not no. for me either. I'd, I'd yeah. still go with the Stinger. And it's one of those cars where people say, that's a Kia. Yeah. yeah. He said, "No, really. Oh, I mean, I've my, had that happen several times." And my neighbor came out of his house when I brought it home with this It took pictures and, <laughs> and sent them to his to his college-aged uh, son. Yep. And said, "Check out this new Stinger." I mean, they probably think it's a it's, Porsche Stinger. No, actually, it's a Kia. It's stinger. a cool-looking
1: car. I think it's a little J.C. Whitney catalog with a couple of the add-on pieces that look a little like uh, take dial it back a notch. It could still look really cool. It definitely stands out from the Buick. Even stands out from the new Audi A5 Sportback. Oh, I yeah. think the Audi A5 is a little plain. I, I would I would like to see how that rides and compares with the Stinger. If I was putting down my yeah. my forty to forty five thousand dollars or yeah. so, um, so we're gonna move to another segment. We're gonna move to questions now. We've got some really good ones, uh, particularly one for these two guys here to talk about. <laughs> uh, the first one we have a Camry Fusion question. I gotta say, it drives me nuts when you guys recommend cars based on opinion of what CR data says. So you know, recent episode talked about what you know people recommend. I I, I went to the data. Uh-oh. We always go to the let data. You, he's, a, he's a data guy. I, let <laughs> me tell you. The overall score, Camry's higher than the Fusion four cylinder SE. The road test score, the Camry's higher. The Camry has better NHTSA crash test scores. The Camry has better owner satisfaction rating from owners uh, you know, who answer our surveys. Camry's far more fuel efficient, quicker, has better seat comfort, controls, and fit and finish. Ford has a better ride, better headlights, better handling. But like we were talking about before, sometimes we have a personal feeling right. of a car that's you know not going to match up exactly with the numbers.
2: Well, Key yeah. Stinger and right. Regal. Right, right. that's an example. Like you know the, the Regal actually is scores higher than the Stinger, but you and I, given the choice, especially because the prices are so similar, we would go with the Stinger. And I think what people have to realize uh, is that it's called a road test score, but it's not just all on road data. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you know we we part of that part of the scoring is how easy you know access, cargo room, controls fit and finish, things that don't have to do with the driving of the car. But ultimately, sometimes, you know, you're know you going to choose the car that you actually enjoy driving more. It, it could score higher and still not be as good to drive, in some people's right. opinions, as another car. So, but, but the other thing is, if you look at our ratings, you can actually, you know, look at the the category and look at all the different categories that we have in there, uh, you know, different sections. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's acceleration and and handling and even cargo, Fuel cargo, sure. and you can then <laughs> pick and choose. Okay, well, th- these are the points that are important to me, right. right? So I care about this, this, and this, and look where those say top three, four, five cars in that in the category, score. And then you can kinda of choose your car from there.
1: Right. Well, you know, I mean the scoring, Mike, is is everything's compared apples to apples and within categories so that it's even. But again, there's there's personal feelings
0: about vehicles oh, yeah. as well. I I think it But it, not in it, our ratings. I, I'm, right? I'm I, I would bet that a lot of people that watch Talking Cars would love to be a fly on the wall when we have ratings meetings. Mm-hmm. Because the numbers are what the numbers are. But we that doesn't mean that's the one we'd buy, necessarily. There are times that, that I've been on the podcast where we you know, compare car A to car B. And sometimes, I'm going to err toward the side of reliability. You know, yes, the, the Toyota RAV4 is not a sophisticated, smooth, quiet SUV, but man, the reliability is pretty good. Right. And there are times that that's what's most important to me. Yeah, if you're um, buying it for the long run, you might go with the reliability. And sometimes, honestly, it's style. We like the way certain cars look. We, it, well, you know, and that's how people think. I mean, we have, we have millions of subscribers. We send out surveys. Mm-hmm. We ask people about owner satisfaction. We ask people about reliability and all this other stuff. So we have data on really, really low-rated cars. Why? Because our subscribers buy them. Right, right, right. Well, <laughs> I
1: mean, that's the thing. People don't just, you know, go in there and make it a pure analytical decision. Exactly. There's a lot of emotion in it. So yeah. that's gonna that that kind of giving into it. Analytical. Gives us our next question. Mm -hmm. Hey, CR, I'm considering a compact crossover, keeping my 2008 Saturn Aura 3.5 V6, but I want something that rides higher and smoother over Michigan potholes and in bad weather. Torn between the 2018 GMC Terrain and the Hyundai Tucson, Seen the Tucson S superior crash test results from the train. Mike. I've got some opinions on this, but you know, give me a couple thoughts.
2: You know, if you want something like the Terrain, I'd go with the Chevy Equinox, mm-hmm. which is a better vehicle uh, we found in our testing for less money, and so you're you're getting more vehicle for the money. But even then, I would say you know, skip uh, probably that as well because it's not one of the higher scoring uh, cars in the category. Right. I would go with you know like a Subaru Forester, Toyota Rav Four. Honda CRV or my choice Mazda CX-5 because I love the way it drives. So I mean that's what I would go with. You you know, know, and get and get the 17s like we did on our car. Right, 17-inch wheels. Uh, 17. I'm sorry, yeah, (laughs) 17-inch wheels because that's going to help the ride comfort. You don't want 18s or 19s or anything like that, especially you know he's talking about he or she is talking about. uh, potholes in Michigan. Right. Go, with the, go with the smaller wheels and tires.
1: Well, there's a new Super Forester getting introduced, so you could probably get a good deal on one of the existing ones mm-hmm. So for that one. Mike, what would you choose?
2: Uh, you know, Mike almost
0: kind of took took the words out of my mouth. Yes.
1: <laughs> Look at that. We're thinking, that's like, why, again. That's, uh, why go oh, yes. that's why I go first. That's well, so, why I go mean, so first. <laughs> Foreshadowing. I, I had a couple thoughts. If you're looking at the Tucson, really, um, there's a new engine coming out. Because the two engines in our test, one was a little quicker, but right. they were both kind of dogs. There's a 2.4 liter four cylinder getting introduced this year. Uh, crash test is a concern if you're really focusing on the terrain, because it's a brand new vehicle, right. and the NHTSA scores for the Tucson outscore the terrain. So right. you're talking about an older vehicle getting better crash test scores. Again, like Mike, Mike said, neither one of them are stellar in the category. There are better options: CRV, Rav4, CX5. Yeah,
0: the kind of the way that I I split it up is is if you want a quiet, comfortable ride, I would go for the Forester. If fuel economy is number one on our know, priority list, I would go for the RAV4 hybrid. And if it's fun to drive, it's CX-5. Six. So I mean, I'm taking basically your choices and just you know refining them just My awesome so, choices. Yeah, awesome choices. OK, egos. Oh. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> love fest is going on. Last, uh, third question, I'd like to buy a used German vehicle. Ugh, danger. Considering a 2008-11 <laughs> Mercedes-Benz E-Class, a 2014 Audi SQ5, the sporty one, 2013-15 Audi S4 or A4, 2011 to 13 BMW X6. Here's where it gets a little tricky. I intend on keeping it as long as humanly possible, 15 to 20 years. I do appreciate wanting to have a vintage car. Good
2: luck with that. I <laughs>
1: am not interested in additional costs of certified pre-owned CPO or patronizing a an OEM, he means a dealer, and do not like wasting money. Should I look elsewhere? Yeah.
2: Wow, um, that's a tall well, order. I, I mean, look, probably should look elsewhere. But at the same time, uh, you, you know, so first of all, we don't have data. We don't have reliability data on all these vehicles in terms right. of like we don't have it on a BMW X6, we don't have it on an Audi SQ5, we don't have it on an Audi S4. But we have corresponding. We have data on Audi Q5. We right. have the Data A4s. on Audi A4. And the BMW X5, which and is And we have the X5. Sort of, yeah. So of these choices, because I like to first deal with you know uh, their question. You'd you'd go with the Mercedes E Class because yep. of all of those cars, it's the only one that reliability wise we rate as, or our used car verdict, good bet. That's a, that's right. if you look yep. at all of our used car ratings. But I also you gotta give them credit for, <laughs> for the positivity yeah. of, of keeping the the German car for fifteen to twenty <laughs> years. Is, yeah, and not only that, <laughs> if it you know. It's it's going to be whether whether it lasts that long or not. uh, You're it's going to be more expensive to uh, maintain and repair than a lot of other cars, like Japanese cars, especially you know because it just costs more. I mean, I had I
1: kept my '96 Audi A4 for for 14 years and then sold it, and it lasted another five years, and then the guy blew the engine somehow. Um, You know, but you have to have a good personal mechanic. You're going to have higher hourly rates than some some competing like you know the Japanese guys specializing in in cars from Japan or Korea. I, I did some reliability stuff. Q5 above average, Mercedes-Benz above average, the Audi A4, S4 is, is more average than, than the others. The X6, based on the X5, oof, those years do not run. Run from the 11 to 13 X5. We've probably
0: all been asked about buying high-end German cars. Yeah. And, and to me, the red flags are always, when it's out of warranty, you've got to make a commitment to this. And by commitment, I mean a financial, financial commitment. commitment to <laughs> right. keep it going, uh, You know, to answer this person's question. I really, <laughs> I really wouldn't choose any of them. Uh, Consumer Reports, uh, we, we just published an article called 10 uh, cars proven to get to 200,000 miles and beyond. And I have to say, there wasn't one German car on the list. Yeah. So um, I, we wish you well. We wish you good luck. Um, but. Uh, this is a commitment. I'm not sure I would be willing they to. Make.
1: Might, they might be on the list of get to 200,000 miles and beyond for $200,000 or less. Um, <laughs> but so we're going to. We're so, so mean. Final question here, <laughs> special one for these two guys Quincy and Monticello have an interesting relationship. <laughs> I can't tell if they're best friends or if they despise each other. Well, um, <laughs> Monty, your dream last <laughs> no. night about the Toyota
2: Supra that Mike is Quincy cons- has been considering. Is really, really He's been thinking a a about buying a second gen <laughs> Supra for a long time and, and I had a dream about it. We did not need to go into it. But <laughs> I, I think it's just funny that the person noticed this, first of all. Uh, and, and, and also, Quincy has a, a like, wall of shame or fame on his cubicle <laughs> where he posts things, sayings around the office that are really funny. And as soon as he saw this comment, he printed it out and put it up on, he put it up on his cubicle because he thought it, he couldn't stop laughing because he thought it was so funny.
0: Yeah, we'd sit near each other. So So all day, we're going back and forth and back and forth. So,
2: insider information, (laughs) if you want to know, our cubicles are diagonal from each other. And so, a couple times a day, uh, we we discuss stuff. You know, we get up, look over our cubicles, Mm -hmm. and, and we're talking about work stuff, we're talking about Uh, life stuff. But you know, all is not perfect. For instance, Quincy Quincy (laughs) doesn't share my love of country music. No.
1: None of us do. No,
2: no, no, no. Okay, that's hurtful. And second, people may not know, whoops, hit the mic, uh, that uh, John and I have some, you know, we kind of have some common interests as well. We both uh, ride bicycles together a lot. We do a lot of group rides after work. And usually a couple times a year, we do uh, like a lunch ride. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be made fun of by your coworkers, dress up in full spandex uh, in the middle of the day, and then you will <laughs> never hear the end of it from don't, them. Don't hint to the May episodes. Okay? Uh, no, okay. No, okay. no, there, no, there no. might be a few trips. And, and
0: super executive producer Dave Abrams makes fun of everything we wear anyway, so it really doesn't matter. I'm, I'm also it. a cyclist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just Mr. I,
1: Normcore I, over I, here. I can't
0: keep up with <laughs> these guys on their bikes. They're they're. Younger and faster than me. Well,
1: but, spring is know. in the air, <laughs> and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to all that But, but later. for the
0: record, Mike's a great guy, OK? That's going to wrap it up too. on this episode of
1: Talking Cars with Consumer Reports. Um, as you saw on the top of the show, you can join us for a live taping of Talking Cars with Consumer Reports next Thursday at the New York International Auto Show. Send an email to talkingcars@consumer.org so you can get more information. As always, you can check the show notes below for more information on what we talked about in this episode.